This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to take a look at uh, starting verse number 24. Common passage of Scripture, the verses you're going to hear tonight, you probably heard uh, dozens, if not maybe hundreds of times in church before. Uh, The common words of of Christ, but we're going to take a look at what they mean. This morning, uh, our emphasis was taking care of the gospel here in our city. If you missed this morning's service, you can catch it tomorrow morning uh, on the Hui Kala app or wherever you get your podcast. That was the focus of, hey, how do we reach our city with the gospel? We're sending uh, people and money and resources around the world to get the gospel out. Are we faithful with the gospel here? That was this morning. Tonight, we're taking a look at our responsibility with the gospel around the world. Matthew chapter 16 verse number 24. Verse 24 is one of those verses, again, circle, star, underline, highlighted if you're using a mobile app. Jesus gives three criteria for true committed followers of his. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall, will lose, will save his life, shall lose it, Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? I don't know about you and your kind of view on missions or, you know, what you saw in missions growing up and things like that in church. Maybe this is your first experience ever actually meeting a missionary. Um, I grew up in a church where uh, it was a Southern Baptist church, and so they believe what we believe doctrinally, but their missions is totally different in the fact that you kind of pool all your resources with churches around the world and you send them to headquarters in Nashville, and Nashville has already picked out who your missionaries are, where the money goes, and you have no control over it whatsoever. Uh, they got missionaries that they've already done their homework on, they know who they are, um, they're sending them money, how much they determine to do that. And for me, I grew up never really knowing a missionary. I never met a missionary before. I couldn't name a missionary. If you put a gun to my head, I just, man, just pull the trigger, I'm done. Because I didn't actually know anything about missions. I just knew in the, t- the church that I grew up in, twice a year you took up a missions offering, and you sent it out somewhere, and magically money popped up on the mission field, and evidently people got saved and uh, the gospel went forward. But how, I didn't really know through the... Uh, Again, I think the Southern Baptists had this plan, uh, this would have been back in probably the early 90s, that they were going to reach the entire world with the gospel by the year 2000. That was kind of their goal, They're sending missionaries and planting churches and throwing money and resources and ad campaigns and stuff like that. And needless to say, didn't really hit the target that they were looking for because, again, at the end of the day, it's not the job of some organization or some conglomeration of churches to reach the world with the gospel. It's the responsibility of individual Christians and their brothers and sisters in Christ and the, the body of Christ. We can't, again, hire this out. They, uh, I was skimming news articles, and there's this uh, ad campaign going around about, uh, you know, how Jesus gets us, and it's by this, you know, nonprofit group that seems Christian-ish, and basically Jesus was an immigrant, and he was an outcast, and people didn't like him either. Jesus dealt with, you know, systemic oppression, and he's just like you and I. Uh, trying to make Jesus out to be kind of like you and me. He was just a regular dude who also dealt with hard stuff in life, but ignoring the fact that he was the Son of God and the Savior of the world, and so I'm just like, please don't do that. 
Like, that's not the job for some, again, nonprofit, not attached to a church to go and tell everybody about who Jesus Christ is through their own lens. It's the job of Christians to tell people who the biblical Christ is. That's our responsibility. And if the world will be one to Christ, it's not going to be done by nameless missionaries, but by sold-out disciples of Christ. Who's going to reach people in Africa? Oh, I guess missionaries to Africa will. Name them. What are their names? Who are they? Do you know these people? What type of work are they doing? How many people have they led to Christ this year? How many people have they baptized? How many churches have been started? I'm not really sure, but I'm sure someone else is doing it. We have to come to a point where that's not sufficient anymore. And I begin to ask myself, okay, what's my responsibility here? What do I have to do? It's not going to happen by some people that are out there somewhere. Uh, who we call us supports a small number of missionaries on purpose. I want you to get to know your missionaries, and I want you to be able to name them by name. I want you to hear their names. I want you to see their updates. When I say Josh and Ruth Lovegrove got a new building in Ethiopia, I want you to be like, oh, my soul, they're the sweetest people in the world. I love the Lovegroves. And I want you to remember their name. There's some churches out there, to, and again, it's a way that they want to do things with their missions money, is they'll give about $2,500 a month to missions, and they'll give $25 to 100 missionaries, um, and a small amount uh, to a lot of different people to say, hey, we support a lot of missionaries, and we love missions. Uh, for our church, uh, we give a minimum of $250 a month to all the missionaries we support. Um, Christina, I talked to her when she was on the phone. I said, how much money are you trying to raise uh, to get to uh, the Ivory Coast? She said, I'm trying to raise about $3,600 a month. And I said, man, put us down for 300 that's, again, if she had 11 other churches, she'd be gone already. And so, again, for us, I want us to have a big investment. I want Christina, when she's over in the Ivory Coast, to remember her time in Honolulu and be like, man, I remember those people. They love Jesus. They were so sweet. They were so kind. Uh, man, they've given sacrificially to help the gospel go forward here. And if she ever thinks for a split second about quitting, I want her to remember, I don't want to let those people down that are counting on me. That's a relationship. That's how it's done. We don't just funnel money out to some big group who gets it done, hopefully. It's going to require sold-out disciples of Jesus Christ to actually get this work done. It's foolish and lazy to just assume that someone else is going to do it. I'm sure somebody's going to reach Ivory Coast. She mentioned Ghana. I'm sure there's missionaries in Ghana, I bet. Probably a ton of them. I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going on in the Philippines, but man, I know we got a lot of missionaries in the Philippines. I guess they're probably doing okay. That's just lazy. It, it's foolish to just put it on somebody else. It, it's like, for those of you that never have kids, this is how it works when you got kids. Somebody rings the doorbell, ding dong, ding dong, and your kids are sitting on the couch watching TV. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Can somebody get the door? Well, I thought somebody else was going to get it. It's just like, come on, are you serious? Like, get up. What's wrong with you? Christians are the same way. God's calling you to reach the world with the gospel, and we're like, ah, oh, I'm sure somebody else is going to take care of that. I mean, like, I can't do that. I mean, like, I got, like, a wife and kids and a job and stuff like that. It couldn't be me. Man, that's just dereliction of duty right there. We can't afford that. We have to say, hey, what's my part? If we need to reach the continent of Africa, I'm going to pick a place and I'm going to put some resources there and I'm going to pray, I'm going to invest, I'm going to give if I need to, I'm going to go if God calls me to because I can't sit around just hoping that the work will get done. It requires intentional action on our part. 
it's ignorant and foolish to assume that it's not our responsibility. I'm going to ask you tonight to ask yourself the question, am I called? The answer to that is going to be yes. I'm going to give you the answer ahead of time. Not everybody's called to go, but the ones who aren't better be called to stay. Think through that. Because it's not a matter of like you and I don't really have a job. It's not like there's not anything that we're not supposed to do. Like you're either called to be here and advance the gospel here in this city, or you're called to go somewhere and advance the gospel there. Wherever you're supposed to be as your pastor, I want to know where that is so that I can equip you well to reach the mission field that God's called you to and help you to be an effective missionary every single day until you see Jesus return. That's my job. And it's just flat out ignorant to be like, well, it's totally not me. No lie, I felt like this for a long time when we felt like God was calling us to, to Honolulu. It's just like, it's, it's, it's totally not me. It's got to be somebody else. We had uh, come here, I, I want to say it was probably 2011, probably 2010 time frame, and uh, we preached in a singles conference here, and Angela and I were driving uh, down Alabama Boulevard here to go to Duke's for dinner, and she said, hey, if we lived here in Honolulu, where would we go to church? And I was like, I'm not sure, there's tons of churches here, we'd find something. And she was like, no, no, think about that for a second, where would we attend church? And I was like, well... You know, I know there's a Baptist church right up here, and I begin to look at that, and it's just like, oh, it was planted, you know, almost, uh, you know, 75 years ago, and they're currently running like 12 people, uh, so probably not the best place to go to grow, and I begin to look for other Bible-preaching Baptist churches here in the city. There wasn't a lot. There's a tons of uh, Pentecostal and churches with a Pentecostal influence, but I couldn't find a lot of Bible-preaching churches here in the city. Now, as you go further out, uh, there's going to be some, some more churches out there, but I'm talking like in the city itself, and I was just like, I don't know. I have no idea, really. And here's what I said. Again, foolish. I don't know. And truthfully, I don't even care. I don't live here. And she said something, no lie, that changed the trajectory of the rest of our life. She said, well, somebody should come and start a church here in this city. And I said to that, you're right. Somebody should. And man, no lie, like I'm done with that conversation. Somebody should totally do this. Like this is a hotbed for church planting for sure. Somebody could come here like they knew what they were doing and really like get it done. But it's not me. I mean, we just bought a house. My son was getting ready to go into a senior year of high school. Uh, I got kids in Christian school. You know, we got a, had a baby at the time. She's like, no, 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 this like totally not for us at all. We, we bought a house at the end of a cul-de-sac. You know, we have a three-car garage. Like, we're just starting to get like grown-up stuff around us, right? Like, we're not going to pick up and go to a, the middle of the ocean for heaven's sakes. That's not us. Somebody should do it, but it shouldn't be me. Mm, that's a foolish statement. And so the question is, if not us, who? If you and I are not going to take the gospel seriously, who will? If you and I will not answer the call to either stay and be committed or go and be committed, who will? We went out on outreach yesterday into uh, our community, passed out invitations to church. We've been doing that for nine and a half years or so. Look, I'm not making the claim that we are the only Bible preaching church in town that's doing that. I'm just telling you, if there is another one, they're like 007, like stealth mode, getting it out there, because I've never seen them. I just haven't. Nine and a half years, I've never met another Bible-believing Christian on the sidewalk who's going to someone's house to tell them about Jesus, ever. I've never seen it happen. Again, not saying that it hasn't happened, I'm just saying I haven't seen it. 
just about every other week, if not every week, I see Jehovah's Witnesses, which is the cult, going down the sidewalk with their false gospel door to door. That I have seen, but as far as Bible-believing Christians, it's, it's slim. Currently on the dockets of people that are waiting in the holding pattern to plant churches in Honolulu, Bible-preaching churches in Honolulu, I currently know of none. So let me say it as kindly as I can. We're falling behind and reinforcements aren't coming. So either we begin to take seriously our mission field or we, man, we give up the, the ground that God wants us to cover. And man, I, I ain't no quitter, that's for sure. We're going to continue to press forward. We're going to do more than we ever have. And I'm asking you, if God's not calling you to go, I'm, I'm praying that God would call you to stay. And that you would invest your life here. And that you would sow seed here. And that you'd want to reap a harvest here for the kingdom. Because if we don't, who's going to? And again, please understand all this talk about reaching people with the gospel has zero to do with church growth. I'm not trying to get a bigger congregation so that we can get a bigger building. If we ever have to move out of this building and look for another place, it will probably be the death of me. Uh, so I'm not in, looking, in a hurry looking for commercial real estate in our city because it is just absolutely a nightmare out there. We're not, please understand, we're not trying to get a bigger crowd. We're not trying to, to get a bigger online presence. We're not trying to grow our social media so that we can be bigger, have more followers. We're trying to reach people for eternity. We're trying to change people's lives and who winds up in heaven with us when we get there. And if we don't take this responsibility seriously, let me just tell you, nobody else is going to either. If we don't begin to look around at the world at unreached people groups around the world, you take countries like India, which is, which is just absolutely crawling with people and steeped in a false religion, how many missionaries do we have that are going to India? I don't know, but whatever we have, we should probably multiply it times a thousand because there's so much work to do. The number of people we need to reach for the gospel is in the billions. You and I can't just sit back and watch Netflix and just keep trying to find a really good show to watch and show up on Sundays and throw $5 in the offering basket towards missions and call it good. That's not the type of Christianity that we're called to. And so I, I just want us to have this heartbeat Angela and I are going to have the opportunity to go to, to Cambodia in, in the month of March. We're having our missionaries from Nigeria here in May. Uh, we'll also be hosting the boards from Cambodia in October of this year. I'm just trying to get you guys around missionaries so that you see these are real people with real faces that have real hearts, real desires, who have given up everything that they lay claim to to follow after Jesus Christ. And man, Am I the next person? That's what I have to ask myself the question. I'm watching the video today, Christina's video. If you missed that, uh, we'll have it on her portion of the app uh, under, under her name uh, this week. But I was watching her video this morning, uh, and Pastor Mac, as he was speaking there, like, hey, church planning is the most important. I was like, amen, that's right. We need churches and, and propagating churches and multiplying disciples and all that other stuff, he said. But how many of you could come alongside and help a church planner? And I thought to myself, that's genius. And he shows like these guys like stretching, getting ready to play a game of soccer and stuff like that. Like, hey, how much do you have to know to go to the Ivory Coast, start a soccer league over there for the purpose of sharing Jesus with the people who want to play soccer? How much do you have to know? How much, how much college do you have to have to do something like that? Like, none. Like, and here's the thing. If you can make, uh, find some way to make $1,200 a year, that's $100 a month, you'd be twice as wealthy as everybody else that you rub shoulders with. Like, the, the barrier for entry for that just dropped to the floor. 
we're not asking you to go to Bible college for five years and study in seminary and serve in ministry for, for 10 years. Just say, hey, what's my job to get the gospel around the world? Is God calling me to go? Does God want me to use what he's gifted me with to advance the kingdom here in this city? If not here, where? Because I want to get there. Because this requires disciples. Look, Jesus gives the criteria for discipleship here in verse number uh, 24. First of all, a disciple has to confess Jesus and renounce self. If any man will come after me, he must deny himself. Absolutely fascinating. We don't have a ton of time to unpack this, so I need you to listen clearly. When he says deny yourself, it's the same Greek word that is used when Peter denied Jesus Christ. Hey, I don't know that guy. Hey, I'm not a part of that. That's not me. You've got the wrong guy. <laughs> That's what it means to deny yourself. Hey, the old Anthony King, I don't even know that guy. No, 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 I think you're still him. I promise you, I have nothing to do with the old Anthony King. That guy's dead and buried. It's only Jesus Christ alive here. That's what it means to deny yourself. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2.20, quick paraphrase. Hey, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I used to, to live in the flesh is dead and gone. The only thing that's alive here is Christ. That's what it means to deny self. Well, I think it would be really nice for it. Man, that's, you're running against denying self. Denying self has nothing whatsoever to do with what you want or how you view things or how you think things should go. It comes 100% down to what does Jesus expect from my life? deny yourself, you got to be willing to pay the price to pursue Jesus. Must come after me, take up his cross. Take up your cross means you need to be willing to die to self at a moment's notice. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, even death, should that come my way to be obedient to the calling that God's placed upon my life. Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 8, Paul says, Yea, doubtless, I can't count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul says, Everything that I have in life is a steaming pile of excrement compared to what I have in Jesus Christ. I don't want my life. I don't want my stuff. I just want Jesus. That's what it means to take up your cross and be willing to follow him. Then you got to live a life of complete and total obedience. Complete obedience. It's easy to obey when it's what you want to do. Acts chapter 2, verse number 2. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse number 22. Now, behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say, the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me, but none of these things move me, neither I count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Hey, if I wind up in prison, I don't care. I'm not counting my life dear unto myself. If I could give my life for Jesus, Paul says, I would count that a privilege. Paul says, I just want Jesus Christ to be magnified, whether it be through my life or by my death. I don't care whatever way God gets the glory. I just want him to get the glory. Complete obedience. I love Christina's story. Hey, I just want to go to Bible college, pick a field to go. Like, how hard is that? I mean, how difficult would it be to just go to Africa? And God's just like, ah, not yet. And you know what she said? Okay, I'll wait. I'll be patient. 
I'm not going to waste this time that you give me. I always tell people that waiting time isn't wasted time unless you waste it. Okay, I'm going to take this waiting time and I'm going to invest it. Some of you might be uh, in a, a waiting period, holding pattern until you can get to where God wants you to be. Don't waste that time. Grow in your faith. Grow in your knowledge and understanding of the Bible. Surround yourself with solid Christians that can help you take a step up. Grow in your walk with Christ. Don't waste that time. Obey him. Death to self isn't simply a prerequisite of discipleship. It's an ongoing commitment. I have to die to myself every single solitary day. And again, when my own carnal personal desires begin to creep in, i got to identify that. Nope, not going there, not having it, can't have this conversation because I'm dead to that. And so death to self isn't this thing that we get to do once and we check it off of our to-do list and go, oh, praise God, that's over. No, 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 no. This is a constant, continual walk that we do every single day. And man, there's hard days in serving Jesus. And when you wake up and it's hard, you just need to remember, hey, man, it was a lot harder for Jesus than it was for me. That's what the Bible says, right? Consider him who endured such a contradiction of sinners. Hey, you think you're having a rough day? Think about what Jesus went through. I got to remember that. And I got to remember that, that whatever I'm going through has been father-ordained. My father decided that this is where I need to be and what I need to do at this period of time. And I'm going to walk through it with great faith. And I'm going to die to self every single day. As we look through Matthew chapter 16 here, we get to verse number 25. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. I want to confess this before we go any further. Primarily the context that Jesus is speaking here, based on what we see in verse number 26 here. Jesus, that's a, a, a passage really on salvation and accepting Christ. You have to be willing to let your old life go to pursue eternal life in Jesus Christ. But I think that there's a deeper meaning there too. And again, if I'm reading into it, I'll just say that I'm reading into it. But I see the principle here that for you and I to be able to pursue what God has for us, we've got to be willing to let our old life go. If we have an eternal impact, we have to be, giving, be willing to give up a self-centered life to find joy in Jesus. You cannot pursue Christ and pursue self at the same time. They're at opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got to pick a side. Do I want what I want from life or do I just want what Jesus wants for me? I'll tell you this ahead of time. Whatever Jesus has for you is 10 million times better than what you can possibly fathom for yourself. Again, that's why you try to do an end run around what God has for your life. Uh, I want God's blessings, but I want to do it God's way. It doesn't work that way. And again, what you really want to pursue is Christ. Again, this is our, our theme verse this year. If we commit our way unto him, Trust also in him, then he'll bring it to pass. That's the whole point of this, is i got to be willing to trust God's plan for my life. I have to believe that he's of infinitely more value than the things that I have planned for my life. And so then, what's our part in the Great Commission? We talked about this morning, the Great Commission. Go and baptize, teach. Three parts that every Christian should be responsible for. Christina covered these in her uh, video. I already read my message, and I saw her video. I go, man, I'm glad it's uh, all in there together. Pray, give, go. That's what we do. The Bible commands us to pray for laborers that God would send them into the harvest. For all of our missionaries that we have, we should pray that God would bring people in their path to support them, raise them up, encourage them, bring people alongside to serve with them, send more missionaries to these areas that are unreached. I mentioned this morning about the Joshua Project. It's an app that you can download on your phone to see unreached people groups around the world. They don't need to pray for unreached people groups, people who don't have a Bible in their own language. 
Pray that they'll be reached. Pray that God will do something about it. I need to be willing to give time, talent, treasure to advance the kingdom, to see these people have the resources and tools they need to get it done. Look, some of us might say like, well, you know, I can only give, you know, maybe $10 a month to missions. Okay, that $10 a month, God can take that and multiply that. That's what God does. Well, I can only give $2. Man, $2 in God's kingdom might as well be $2 million because my father owns it all. But God wants your heart first and foremost. Look, here's the thing. There are people in our church that can cut a check for a thousand bucks and never miss it. God's not interested in that. But if you cut a hundred bucks, a $100 check believing that God wants to use you in a great way and you're willing to invest in the kingdom what God's placed in your hand, God will take that all day. He'll multiply it and bring forth fruit and you'll get to heaven and you'll have treasure waiting for you. That's how it works. So many times we get this idea, like, I can't do a whole lot. Do what you can. Can can you imagine what would happen if 10,000 Christians just did what they could? Like, we'd see a revival in America if 10,000 Christians just did what they could. But here's the thing I believe. I really believe this. Some of us aren't doing all that we can. And maybe God's calling you to do more. Maybe it's an increase in your giving towards missions. Maybe it's an increase in your giving. Maybe you just need to tithe. That's the baseline beginning of obedience is tithing. Maybe it's praying for missionaries more. Maybe I'm going to take a day each month and, and send an email to our missionaries. Maybe I'm going to, we have, you know, nine missionary projects we support. Man, every week I'm going to pick a missionary and email them and try to be an encouragement to them. I'm just talking about giving more of yourself to getting the gospel around the world. Again, faithful here first and then helping out with it around the world. And then where the, the question is like, go. Okay, I got to go here. This is my Jerusalem. This is where God's placed me for right now. I don't know if I'm going to be here for six days, six weeks, six months, or six lifetimes, but I'm going to be here. This is where God has me. And I'm willing to invest my life here. So if missions, getting the gospel to the world, is a team endeavor, we got to ask ourselves, what's our role? Think about that for a second. I'm a basketball guy. I'm not a football guy at all. I, I find I don't know if football can even be considered a sport, but we'll say it is for the sake of this illustration. Uh, look, if you can run three feet and get tired and take a break for five minutes, I don't know if that con- constitutes a sport or not, but we'll just say it is for the sake of this illustration. You can fight me later on it. But um, <laughs> just imagine this. Hey, would you be a part of our football team? And you say Yes. And then the whistle blows and you just, what, run out on the field? Like, hey, like, no, 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 you need to know what your role is, right? Hey, who's throwing the ball? Who's catching the ball? Who's blocking, you know? Who's running, you know, down the sidelines? Who's, who's cutting up the middle? You need to know your role, right? I'm a basketball guy. Hey, would you join our basketball team? Sure. What do you bring to the table? Here's the thing for me. I'm a clutch. You give me the ball to dribble. It's going to go off my foot and out of bounds about 98% of the time. You don't want me handling the ball at all if I'm on your team. Here's what I am. I'm big. I'm difficult to move. Put me in the paint to get rebounds, and I can basically put my arms up and out-rebound most people. I know my role. Put me out at the three-point line. It's going to be a garbage game because I don't shoot three-pointers. I hit stuff in the paint off the backboard. That's my only place. I know my role. What's your role? Worldwide missions, what's your role? To say I don't have a role is is a misunderstanding of the team process. All of us have a role. What's your part? What role does God want you to play? 
How about this? I'm, I'm getting ready to blow your mind. Maybe God's trying to upgrade you into a higher role, more responsibility. He's trying to grow your faith, give you more opportunity to share your faith, give you more opportunity to stretch those faith wings and those faith muscles. Maybe God's calling you to just step out by faith. One of the most terrifying things we've ever done in our life is, is plant a church in the middle of a city that we didn't know if it was going to make it or not, honestly. We had people ask us, like, hey, if that whole church plant thing doesn't work out, what are you going to do? And here's my answer. I have absolutely no idea. I don't have a plan B. We really didn't. Like, I mean, I guess I'll, like, deliver pizzas or something. But, like, I have not thought that far ahead because if God doesn't come through on this, we're toast in a thousand different ways. And, and when you walk that faith line, there's a question of am I on the faith line or the foolishness line, and sometimes the line blurs. I don't know if I'm really living by extravagant faith or if I'm being really dumb here not, and not being wise. I don't know, but I'm just going to continue to trust God by faith. What's your role in this team endeavor? If it's our job as the body of Christ to get the gospel to our city and around the world, what are you doing and can you do more? That's the question. And here's the thing I really need you to, to latch on to because people that have been in different types of churches hear things like more and they immediately think like, I want you to give more money because we need fancier lights up here. We want a bigger screen or we want more singers on the platform or we want to bust this wall out and blow out the auditorium. We want to put a balcony up here. Look, none of the money that you give to missions stays here at all. 100% of it leaves and goes into the hands of people around the world. I'm not asking you to give so that we can do something better here. I'm asking you to give so that the gospel can go further around the world. I'm not asking you to ask yourself, should I go because we get a feather in our cap or we've got a, a chart on the back wall where we put stars when people go. I'm asking you, can you fulfill the role of getting the gospel to the nations better somewhere else? If so, I want to help you get there. The local church should be a sending agency for missionaries. Christine is a member of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. They have sent her out of their church to the Ivory Coast of West Africa to get the job done. Our family is sent out of the Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster, California. Our pastor sent us here to this city for the purpose of establishing a local New Testament church. Our church, who we call a Baptist church, should get in the habit of sending people out to get the job done elsewhere. And you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, who is it? Like, we're going to have a raise of hands tonight? Like, man, I'll go, I'll go. I mean, who's it going to be? I don't know. But here's what I can't fathom. I can't fathom in a decade of ministry here. And at this point, we're probably at a lot, around... 2,000 people that have churned through here over the years, came here, stayed for a little bit, moved on somewhere else, probably up to close to about 2,000 people over almost a decade. Then in all that time, there's not one single person that God stirred their heart to go do something by faith. I just, either God's not talking loud enough or people aren't listening or people aren't willing to obey. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just praying, and I pray this for our church every single day since we started, that God would prepare people here that we could send out to get it done. That's my heart because it's the heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus says, hey, you see a need out there? Pray that God would send laborers into his harvest. Because here's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. 
So pray that God will send more laborers. And I don't think we're in a laborer surplus at this point. There's a massive laborer shortage. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what is my job? What's my role? What do I do? Maybe I'm going to become a missions prayer warrior. Man, I'm, maybe I'm going to write our missionaries every single week. Maybe I'm going to take a short-term mission trip. I'm going to take my vacation time that I would normally go to uh, uh, you know, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and sit by the pool, and I'm going to take that instead and maybe go to, I don't know, Mexico City instead and try to serve alongside a missionary to get people the gospel. I don't know what that means. I just know we have to do something. And so you have to ask yourself these questions. What's my specific part? Pray, obviously, right? Okay, for what purpose? To what, for what purpose are you going to pray? I want to pray that other people would go. Would you pray that you yourself, if God's called you, would go? That God would make that readily apparent, that God would make that crystal clear to you, that if I'm supposed to go, that God would make that clear to, to me. And I'm not talking like in the Gideon side of the way, like I laid a fleece out on the front yard and it wasn't covered in I'm not talking about that, okay? Look, if you've got a fleece, that's not what it's for, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about, God, I need you to let me know where I'm supposed to be because I want to be more than anything in the world, dead center in your will. Not just six years from now, ten years from now, today. I want to be in your will today. And God, if that's supposed to be somewhere else, let me know that. But until then, until you give me crystal clear direction to move somewhere else, this is it. This is my Jerusalem. This is where I stay. This is my mission field. This is where I'm locked and loaded. Pray to that end. Hey, give. To what end? And I would say give not just of your money, missions, giving. That's important. Many of us have a missions commitment that we made back in September. And we give X amount of dollars to missions, and then from time to time we take special offerings when there's needs and stuff like that. Man, can, can I look at my finances and give more to the cause of Christ? Can we do more for the gospel around the world? We've had, again, last year was a record missions giving year for us. Uh, we gave men $140,000 in mission, which is more, like four times more than we've ever given in the history of our church. I want to do better than that this year. Where's all the money going to go? I don't know. I know the, the, the Love Grows new building they have is like literally concrete floors all the way around. I'll, I'll show you guys a, a video of that probably next week. Concrete floors all the way around. He says, I think we can outfit it for about forty dollars to $50,000. Okay. There's a need. Man, we're getting ready to go to Cambodia where they just built a, a brand new building that they have over there. Do they have additional needs in Cambodia? I don't know, but I bet we can figure that out. Garrett and Annalise Patrick getting ready to, to start a church in Nigeria. Reach people for Jesus over there. Getting ready to start a church. I know for a fact there's going to be a financial need there. I'd love to be able to say, hey, our people love you and love missions so much. We're going to send a $10,000 check to you that you should have by Friday. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're like, yeah, that would be awesome. Great, then let's give it. Well, it's awesome if somebody else does it, right? It's always fun to spend other people's money, isn't it? Like, yes, as long as I don't have to pay for it. No, no, no. This is like, hey, I want to give because I want the gospel to go further. The majority of us are ridiculously blessed over and above. When you take a look, and you might be saying, well, speak for yourself, pastor. I'm speaking for the people who live in the Ivory Coast who labor, labor, hard labor for $50 a month. You and I are stupid blessed. Can I give more for the kingdom? God called Angela and I and our family to, here to start Hui Kala. 
we, we emptied out every single dollar that we had to our name just to have our very first service. And you know what? <laughs> Best money I've ever spent in my life. I don't think to myself like, oh, I wish I had invested that money in Amazon. I'd have a lot of money right now. No, man. No, 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 no. Oh, I wish I'd saved that money. I could have bought a car, you know, 13 years ago that would be worth nothing. No, 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 no. Best money I've ever spent in my life investing here in this local church. And I've never regretted a dollar that I've given to the kingdom because I know, here's the thing, my treasure's up there. It's waiting for me. Go. <laughs> to what end? Again, I'm, God's not going to call you to do full-time what you're not doing part-time. Start on your street with your neighbors, with the community. I was so encouraged uh, today. Uh, a guy walked out and he was telling me, he's like, man, today's message really helped me. He goes, I got two coworkers that I'm going to try to get to church this week. I want to talk to them. I was just like, dude, you got it. You got it. Congratulations, you're a missionary deputized by your local church to go out and reach your coworkers for Jesus this week. Love it. That's a missionary. Man, maybe, that, maybe that's you this week. Man, I just got to bring one person to Jesus. That's all I want to do. But some of you, I think God's planted a seed in you to give you a yearning for somewhere else that, that is starving for the gospel. I shared this with, with Christina uh, yesterday, our story, when we were in California the church we were at. They had a big evangelism push uh, in the fall time, and they were trying to get a thousand people to sign up for community outreach on this one Saturday. It's going to be massive, you know, valley-wide outreach. We're trying to get a thousand people to come on outreach, and the, the um, outreach campaign was called Be One of 1,000. And like the idea, like I'm going out with an army for Jesus and we're going to attack this valley in the name of Jesus Christ. That was the idea behind it. It was super exciting, except for me. You know why? Because I thought to myself, if I was in Honolulu, I would be one of one. If I had my family with me, I would be one of five. And here's a church with a thousand people going out and there's a city that is starving for the gospel and Nobody's in a hurry to reach that city. And God began to just do something in my heart of like, hey, instead of being one of a thousand, why don't you go be one of one somewhere? Why don't you go to a place that is starving for the gospel and be used there? And so again, we got to figure out where's God called me to go? Either he's called me to go here and I'm going to stay or he's called me to go and I'm going to go and get it done. Those are my two options. But to say I'm not called anyways is a misunderstanding of the Great Commission. And so I, I, love, I love who we call in the fact that there are many families who feel called to stay so much that they retired, got out of the military, turned down orders, turned down promotions to stay here because they believe that this is where God wanted them to, to, to be their Jerusalem. I, I love that about our church, people who have turned down massive money to go somewhere else because they say, no, this is my church home and this is where I'm supposed to be. People who have left Hawaii came back because of the church, because this is the place where I'm supposed to be, where God wants me to advance the kingdom. I love that. I love that. That's the idea of, hey, I'm not chasing a dollar. I'm not chasing the things that this world has to offer. I'm chasing people for Jesus. And finally, am I willing to lay down my life that I might find it? Am I really w willing to put it on the line and surrender for the kingdom? Let me just tell you, I I'm just going to say this. If you say no to this, you're simply a fool. Jesus tells a parable. She says the kingdom of heaven is like a field that a man went and found a treasure in. 
And he went home and he sold all that he had to buy the field. Like he saw the value of the kingdom. And he says, wow, whatever I have is so inconsequential to what I have found. Pursuing the kingdom, getting people to Jesus. This is the best thing in the world. It doesn't get any better than this. Are you willing to lay down your life that you might find what life really looks like? Are you willing to lay down your life that others might find eternal life? And if not, what are you clinging to that is of such greater value than that? I don't know. I know for us, when God was doing a work in our heart about coming to Honolulu and planting this church, and we planted this church as missionary church planters. Again, we did the same thing that Christina did. We traveled to churches uh, 52 weeks in a row, 99 different churches, and said, hey, we're the kings, planning on going to Honolulu, planting a church uh, in the middle of the city to reach a city of 400,000 people on an island of a million. Will you please help us? Man. 52 weeks in a row we did that to raise money. We came here as missionary church planners. But I'm telling you here, when we began to think through all this, it's just like, oh, but we just bought this house. But I mean, like, doctor's going to be in his senior year of high school. He's going to Bible college here right after that. I mean, our daughter's getting ready to start kindergarten in a year or so. I mean, like, what are we supposed to do? And then, again, just a moment of clarity wait a minute, you're going to stop the work that God wants to do in your life because of a house? Because of what grade your kids are in school? Like, is that the most valuable thing to you? Man, I'm thankful that God got a hold of our heart and says, no, it's not. We're willing to put all that to the side to pursue Jesus Christ, and we have. And let me just tell you this. I struggle to hear people's testimony when they say, oh, you know, I gave up all this to follow Jesus. I understand what you're saying when you say that, but let me just tell you this. You will never give up anything on this side of heaven that God will not reward you, the Bible says, you know, exponentially, ever. I've never given anything up for Jesus in my life because of what I've gained is so ridiculously in comparison to what I've got. And so I just want to challenge you with this thought tonight. Hey, what am I supposed to do? Punch a clock, watch Netflix, and come to church, sing a couple songs, go home, take a nap. That's not the Christianity that we're called to. Again, let other people do that if they want to. Not me. Not us. The body of Christ that I'm a part of, we want to shake the nations. We want to advance the kingdom. We want to get to heaven one day, and there's people that are surrounded the throne of Jesus Christ worshiping that are there because we made a decision to make a difference for the cause of Christ. That's what I want, and that's what I want for you. Most important thing in the world for here tonight, and you don't even know for sure that you're saved, man. Before we can start reaching people in the west part of Africa, we got to reach you first. And so don't leave here tonight without knowing for sure your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. For those of us that are Christians, man, I got to have this deep sense of healthy dissatisfaction that there's people that I know that don't know Jesus and there's places in the world that nobody's ever mentioned his name yet. I got to get there to where God's calling me to be. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 